0: Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj Hope We're all doing well on this Wednesday, August 18, 2021. As always, keep checking out more content, more episodes on Spotify, Apple, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and many more platforms. Also, please check out look and search up Real Sports Talk by Naraj, where you can find the best segments of my podcast and you know, listen in on that as well. So in today's episode, I'm going to get into a couple of things, continue to talk about the NFL, the NBA, um, and other stories uh, to really keep an eye on heading towards the start of the fall season, uh, so can't wait for that. Um, as I've mentioned in the past before... Um, coming up, the NFL season, we we'll definitely look forward to a lot of uh, recaps of games, analysis, and, and then some. Um, and I will also be getting into a lot more athletes um, and just kind of keep reflecting on some stories, things to learn from, things to watch out for as we get things go you know rolling here in the months to come. So to kick off today's episode, I want to talk about the NFL and kind of dive into what's kind of been going on as of late, what's been kind of a very hot topic of conversation lately in the NFL, as there are a lot of things to look forward to, obviously with the rookie quarterbacks that will be debuting this season, with obviously new coaches and new spots, obviously a lot of teams looking to make a playoff push that came close last year like Miami and Arizona, you know, so there's a lot of storylines to follow in this 17-game season that we'll be having, a lot to, lot to look forward to, and one thing that would definitely be a point of conversation and talked about a lot is the taunting rule that the NFL plans to have a stricter emphasis on this season. Now, throughout some of the sports, major sports in the NBA, the NFL, where baseball, There's been a lot about, there's been a fine line between players competing and kind of showing up one another. And a lot of fans enjoy that interaction, seeing players go at it, you know, make gestures toward each other because, you know, you want to see the best competition and, you know, you kind of want to see that, uh, you know, they obviously have respect for each other, players and teams, to an extent. But You just want to, when they start going at each other, either trash talking or, you know kind of making some gestures you know you kind of love to see that as a fan because you're like okay your team really wants to get after it and and show up now where that kind of comes into trouble and cause a you know an issue is when you know players start getting fined or teams start getting uh, penalized for kind of encouraging that kind of behavior now they don't actually encourage that behavior but when players are competing in competition a lot of players sometimes really want to yell and scream in the direction of somebody and then here you have an NBA referee teeing you up in the NFL uh, if a player does that you know they get fined with unsportsmanlike conduct kind of play for taunting and so those things do happen time and time within the heat of the competition so the NFL this year is planning to have a stricter emphasis on the taunting rule where a lot more players will be fined um, if they kinda head and do that. And if they have it if they do it twice in the game they may be subject to fines or a possible suspension. And so CEO of the New York Giants, John Merrill, was you know recently asked about, you know, the whole thing about the taunting rules and putting it in place and, you know, kinda of mentioned, kinda of paraphrasing him, you know, him here I know he mentioned that, you know, owners are definitely, you know, sick and tired of the taunting and the kind of things they they don't they don't want to see that on the field, you know, but he did talk about fine line and having the ability to still have players that still have fun and and go out there and compete. But, you know, you don't want to see another player taunting another player uh, because it affects the sportsmanship of the game. Look, John Mara is a great uh, owner. Uh, obviously, a lot of respect for what he's been able to do as a owner of the New York Giants. Um, but there, there are some things that I tell you that uh, players know a lot more about the sport, actually, who played the sport, at least who have played the sport, will know a lot more what goes on down there in the heat of the competition. So John Mara is not totally off point when he says that, you know, it affects the game, and there's you know sportsmanship and all that. Some players just really don't want to be uh, you know made fun of, or you know, see something. Like, you know, there's a lot of things said on the football field that you know sometimes are fair, sometimes are foul, it can be a mix of both. Um, but when it comes to John Maher saying that, um, you know, I think that. From his perspective, from the owner's perspective, obviously, they just don't want to see, uh, you know, players being able to do that so regularly or to the point where, you know, it affects, um, you know, sportsmanship. And, you know, obviously teams we've seen in the past where, you know, there have been teams who like, like, for example, the Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans, right? Um... The Baltimore Ravens were upset by the Tennessee Titans right in the playoffs a couple of years ago. And at that time, I think pregame, Tennessee's one of their linebackers, went came to midfield and was doing something. Okay, and then John Harbaugh took issue with that. Alright, and then you see the following year when the Ravens went up to Tennessee, the Ravens, I think, got an interception off Ryan of Ryan Tannehill and they celebrated at the Um, You know Middle of the field Doing some kind of dance So those are the kind of things The NFL may be pointing to And John Marley may be pointing to That you don't want to see teams Kind of engage in this kind of behavior Where They're taunting the other opponent Because they scored a touchdown Or they did that Um, But Heck it makes Football so much interesting You know You want to see Obviously great play On the football field But you want to see that interaction You want to see teams go at it Um and in terms of taunting and all that look, players are still going to do it they still may do it, but and the way they can do it, I mean they get to enjoy and celebrate, right? The NFL already had made a lot of rules about you know, not having excessive touchdown celebrations and now you add the taunting rule to the equation so, you know when NFL owners kind of talk about that and when John Marr talks about it, I don't think they really understand that some of these players really just don't want to talk okay there's a lot of players in NFL history that really talked big and showed up big on the, on the football field now obviously you don't want them saying things that they shouldn't be saying on the football field you don't support that but you know if they were mic'd up they were mic'd up if all players were mic'd up and they were they were all kind of engaging in that on the football field then it, you know you have a point there but it comes to sportsmanship and having respect for the game players are still going to be able to compete and they may say things that maybe are, aren't are good to say to another player um, and look it comes down to how well do these players take it how well do they kind of you know handle it you know in terms of you know they don't want to affect their team right they don't want to affect their team in any way or the negative attention so some players are going to be smart about what they say and what they don't say but in the case of the preseason what we've seen so far I mean, this past weekend, I think there was a running back for the Colts that, you know, had a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of, like, you know, touches, and he ran for some yards, got a first down or so, right? And then he, he gets up and just yells in the direction of somebody, all right? He's probably celebrating the fact that, hey, I got, I got a first down, you know, I got this extra yards, I'm going to just yell and, like, just yell in the direction of anybody, And here you have the referees to throw a 15-yard penalty flag for, like, Tawny. So, I mean, it just feels like players are really going to have to just, you know, get a first down and just, like, keep marching ahead. And I think the NFL just probably just wants that because they don't want to deal with the ramifications of finding players, you know. So, I mean, there are just some things that the NFL just keeps trying to modify uh, within the game within the rules and that's why a lot of players say like the NFL is the no fun league you know because they are obviously trying to make sure that the game stays alright disciplined you have integrity you don't have players getting ejected because of taunting and that may be the reason why John Maher is saying that because players have gotten ejected or taunting and and then you know bond line affects their team and it shows up in some of the games um but i really think that this is a a non-issue uh for the owners to really kind of talk about i mean let the players on the field be you know you know let them go out there and compete and have fun okay it's already yes it's a violent sport and it's gonna be a lot of things said between players on the football field all the time um but that's what makes it so great is to see these players go at it, talk trash to each other, score touchdowns on each other, and in terms of taunting and all that, look, players are still going to celebrate, still going to be able to do certain things, but it just seems like with the way the NFL is approaching it this year, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to have to be smart in certain situations, Um, and who knows if it's going to really work out, if, if this... If enforcing these rules will actually lead to anything different. I mean, if, if they're trying to reduce penalties in terms of taunting, I mean, okay, that this may work. But, I mean, you're, you're really going to go ahead and really find a player for taunting. Um, and then if they do it again in the game, they're going to, like, eject them. Like, I don't know. It's a little bit excessive to me. Um, it may not be a big deal after all, I mean, this season. Maybe most players will just be smart and, you know score a touchdown get a first down and keep keep marching um but hopefully the nfl referees don't get to the point where they call like penalties for taunting in crucial parts of the game i don't want to see any of these games be affected by a taunting penalty that's what it comes down to my main point is that this better be enforced in a proper way in which they don't for every single like play or any any kind of like, you know, game, you know, ending play or, you know, in the touchdown area, like, I don't want to see those penalties come out for no excessive reason. I think that is the main thing. I mean, let these guys celebrate and have fun. I mean, football's supposed to be a fun sport, all right, and obviously it's regulated, as we know, in a lot of areas, Um, but in this aspect, players are still going to respect each other, show sportsmanship after the game with handshakes and all those kind of things, or just, talking to one another um and sometimes like i said all these players can do is talk on the field and go at each other because heck they're seeing the same guys in practice every single day competing against each other and when they go up against someone else they want to kind of show up and like show they got it. so and they kind of stick their chest out so hopefully when players do that this season they don't get penalized so much because if we see an uptick and and t- and taunting penalties uh, the nfl definitely is going to be scrutinized a lot for it and so they better have a they better do this in a way in which players aren't really gonna be in a bad spot because you don't want to see NFL players um, appealing and doing all those kind of things which they can do for these fines and these you know things but it just comes down to players being a little bit more smarter it seems like and kind of being more um, understanding the fact that you know they could Possibly get suspended or thrown out of a game just because of taunting, um, in a way in which it may not even be excessive, but if the NFL referees deem it so, then it will be. So just to see, just to see how this kind of works out. Um, you know, like I said, we saw a little bit of that in the first week of preseason. Uh, it remains to be seen now how it will all play out when the regular season comes around. Uh, but nonetheless, hopefully, it's not a major storyline for the NFL this year. Uh, hopefully players don't complain about it. Because if they start complaining about it, uh, there's no doubt that the NFLPA will always step in and try to go you know, go back and forth with the NFL on this. So it remains to be seen. But, you know, like I said, it happens in a lot of sports. Taunting is just something that's there within the sport, a lobby sport. Sometimes players get away with it and sometimes they, they don't get away with it. And to me, it just provides this great... Entertainment excitement and obviously you don't want to see players, you know Saying so many things that may you know players make it sensitive and make may get you know Bothered by those comments, but you know, it's gonna be a long season coming up. It's gonna be a lot of things said On the football field, and I think the referees just really need to be smart and be careful and in the manner in Which they do you know handle these penalties? Um, but they got they can't do what they did and just like giving somebody a taunting penalty for just just celebrating or just yelling in the direction because they got a first down. So that's my main point with that. So in this next segment, I just want to talk about some of the extensions the NBA that were recently announced as uh, Joel Embiid signing an extension for uh, four years 196 million and Marcus Smart of the Celtics uh, signing for four years and 77 million now look at the case of the Boston Celtics kind of surprised that Marcus Smart uh, didn't get a lot more uh, from the Boston Celtics. You know, Marcus Smart has been there for almost, I want to say, six or seven seasons in Boston. And, you know, the whole thing with Marcus Smart is that, you know, he's been really solid as a player. I mean, every year he's really progressed in a lot of areas of his game. Uh, elite defender, um, can handle the point guard spot as well, uh, can score, can give you those extra possessions. Um, he's a pretty good player uh, that has obviously been, at the, been there through all the changes and that Celtics have made their roster um, and no doubt he's been able to be a good leader obviously uh, just being with there in the Celtics organization helping some of the younger guys come in and we know the kind of success that Tatum has had so far in his career you know Red Brown and, you know, the Celtics are just trying to see now if they can, you know, win, win this group that they're in the prime of their careers. Um, obviously, with new head coach, Imi Yudoka, you know, uh, they're definitely going to be uh, looking to, obviously, make a run at it in the Eastern Conference, have maybe a better chance this season. We know that they dealt with some injuries last season. Uh, they weren't fully healthy. They've added some players. Uh, to their roster that may help in some spots. So, you know, you just kind of want to see if the the Celtics are going to be able to, you know, get the most out of, you know, this group. And, you know, if Mark is smart, I mean, he may end up being uh, the starting point guard for the Celtics in a a bigger role. Um, But, you know, he's really valuable as a player for that team. And I think that just considering how you know he's been able to shoot well at times and score in providing some timely buckets and scoring when it's needed you know you just kind of compare it to some of the other contracts that you've seen um, in the nba you know ben simmons almost making close to like 35 million okay you know kyle lowry kind of getting also close to that number as well you know you just kind of wonder uh, whether or not you know the Celtics could have kind of you know instead of you know giving Dennis Shooter, um, you know, six months, they could have maybe given Marcus Smart a little bit more. Uh, look, players uh do deserve to get paid, um, after obviously out playing the rookie contracts and obviously doing level organization and Marcus Smart, um, you know, just seeing how he has been throughout his career um you know when their players getting almost like 20 million a, 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 you know a year in free agency when players kind of signing for max contracts and things like that you kind of wonder celtics did you know he was a first round draft pick and you know his numbers have been steadily improving year to year um now obviously they can't pay everybody which is which is the case i think for the celtics Um, But, you know, signing Dennis Schroeder was obviously a move that they felt they needed to make um, to obviously have someone who can score and provide that kind of effort. Um, But to me, like, you know, for for Boston, in in terms of, like, their whole, like, roster and the guys that are really going to be important to kind of keep around, I mean, they definitely did that. And maybe Marcus Smart took a hometown discount to me Marcus Smart really in the, you know, with this extension really kind of took one so he could help you know the team to be honest um, the Celtics obviously haven't given out big-time contracts in a while but they you know with Tatum obviously they're, they're doing that um, and you know with some other players they're just trying to keep this group together and um, you know, I think Marcus Smart was obviously talking some trades and stuff like that, um, you know, which a lot of teams do and just try to deal with some of their players, um, but compared to what we saw some of the other point guards and shooting guards get in the free agency market this year, I feel like Marcus Smart definitely got less. And that may be because he really loves playing with Tatum and Jalen Brown and excited about the opportunity to be, you know being coaching you know be coached up by Imi Yudoka. you know some players really like I said with a lot of their teams sometimes they take hometown discounts take lesser to help the team get out of the luxury cap the salary cap and to me that feels this feels like a lot like it um, so hopefully uh, Marcus smart is able to have a bigger role this year and keep playing really well. Um, I think that if he's, um, you know, he does what he does and gets out there and plays well, you know, I think the Celtics definitely have to re- revisit this contract and this extension because I think that he's definitely uh, a $20 million player. At least at that number, I think that would be much more better uh, and what he kind of deserves based on what he's done for these past Seven, six years with the Celtics, putting up some impressive numbers, being a lead defender, a lot of you know first team, second team kind of honors. I think he deserved a lot more uh, than he got this time around. As for Joel Embiid, he deserves a lot of that money. I mean, pretty much all of it because he had a big year last season, played so well. Um, obviously, he missed some time due to injury, but when he was out there for Philadelphia, they, he was just a monster. Putting up points, playing well defensively, bringing that energy, that intensity that was needed, and he was doing it all for the Sixers last season. You know, being a true bona fide star. And with this new contract, I mean, he is going to be. I mean, you get fully guaranteed money. Um, you know, and obviously he came very close to winning the MVP last season. You know, just wasn't able to finish out all those games because of the injuries. Uh, but Joel Embiid is a really great player I mean he's been there through the entire process that the Sixers went through you know obviously he battled those injuries in the first couple of years but when he's on the floor his dominance got a jumper he can attack the rim Um, and the whole thing now is that can the Sixers find a way to put more of a better supporting cast around him to me the Sixers still don't have what they need to win a championship on this roster Um, and, you know, Joel Embiid, you know, he's going to obviously continue to be really good in a lot of areas, continue to be dominant as much. You just want to see the Sixers actually take, uh, take proper advantage and actually utilize his, his talents and his ability to actually win a championship. And that's what's been the talk of the Sixers for the past couple of years, is that they've long come away from those days and they were struggling to win games. Now they have expectations. And they obviously, they, they weren't able to meet those expectations last season. Obviously falling short to the Atlanta Hawks in the semifinal round. Uh, but for this year, Doc Rivers in a year two. You got Joel B locked up now for the foreseeable future. You know, are you going to be able to trade Ben Simmons? You know, time is ticking. Uh, the season's going to start up in a month or, you know, less than a couple of months. You know, so are the Sixers going to you know, run it back with Ben Simmons? Are they going to... You know, trade him get some stars there you know or, or at least a you know a really good player Sixers need to find a way to address that the pressure is on that front office Daryl Morey Doc Rivers uh, they got to find a way to surround Joel Embiid with the talent that he you know he, he needs to win a championship Joel Embiid alone I don't think he can get it done by himself winning a championship in Philadelphia he's gonna need help and you know based on how Ben Simmons has been throughout his career with Philadelphia, it's kinda of, you know, hard to see him be any better than he was last season. Now you hope that he's better, but Joel Embiid um, has done everything right in terms of trying to, you know, be accountable for a lot of things and he obviously knows that, you know, the play around his teammates is gonna to have to improve. As I mentioned that bench has to be more of a focal point. But Doc Rivers in terms of his coaching and his ability um, we know he can do it he can coach really well but he's had a lot of you know heartbreaking playoff losses and last season was definitely one of them so whatever Doc Rivers does do between now and the start of regular season he needs to get uh, more out of Ben Simmons if that's if that's the plan to ride Ben Simmons out for another year Ben Simmons better do it right because You know they are otherwise wasting the prime years of Joel Embiid. I have no doubt that he will be able to put up big numbers again this year. The only thing about Joel Embiid, although that you have to keep in the back of your mind, is his durability, his durability and being able to play a full season. Now that that may not happen, you know, because he's obviously dealt with so many um, injuries throughout his career. He even wasn't 100%, I believe, in the postseason last year. So Sixers have to be really. A careful and the way they utilize him you know, keep feeding him the ball because he is your best scoring option but it's time to see if they can find that second star that can really complement Joel Embiid really well and get them over the hump and that's what they need to start doing soon or else you know it won't be long until Joel Embiid you know may start speaking up more than he already has in the past So in this next segment, I want to talk about Davion Mitchell, uh, who was drafted by the Sacramento Kings, ninth overall pick in the 2021 um, NBA draft, and how he was named uh, Summer League co-MVP after the Kings uh, defeated the Celtics last night to win the Summer League Championship. Now the Kings may only win the Summer League Championship but we know as a team, as a franchise they haven't been back to the postseason since 2006 and they're hoping that Davion Mitchell will be an answer uh, to maybe turning it around in the future to come. So look at Davion Mitchell, I probably have talked about him in the past a little bit, leading up to the draft. Um, in terms of, you know, his position and what he went to the table, you know, he was obviously a huge part of uh, the Baylor Bearcats winning the NCAA March Madness tournament, which, you know, he was an outstanding player um, all year long um, for the Bearcats, you know, and, you know, 22 years old point guard um what a journey he's had up to this point in the nba uh, up to you know his moment at the nba draft and the kings are expecting big things from him obviously hopefully he'll be able to bring a lot to the team in terms of his play style his abilities just looking at him you know where he came from from Hinesville, georgia you know went to liberty county high school where You know he really pursued basketball and the programs that were available to him you know and he spent a lot of time actually at a recreation center uh, a sports recreation center known as schumann recreation center in georgia where he was able to have access to you know the gym and the basketball courts and he spent a lot of time uh, training there and working his way up uh, to become a better basketball player. You know, and he was, I think he was a four-star recruit You know, coming out of high school. Um, I think he chose Auburn over, like, Florida, Tennessee in the beginning of his college career before he transferred to the Baylor Bearcats as he wanted to join um, the Baylors and get a chance to play with against some bigger competition. But, you know he does um you know he does talk about time that he spent at the Shaman Recreation Center was a huge turning point for him and his and his lead up to the n b a as he competed against a lot of guys that were obviously older than him um, but he enjoyed being able to kind of play and kind of showcase his talents and abilities and with Baylor I mean he had. Um, you know, he improved every year with Baylor, you know, in terms of consistency, being better on sort of shooting, but really providing some great defense as well. You know, it also helped that he had a great mentor, um, and former player uh, Jordan McRae, who was a second round draft pick um you know, in the NBA I forget which year, but Jordan McRae played obviously for Quite a bit of franchises during his time. Uh, he did win one with Cleveland, which was he was part of that six, you know, 2016 uh, group that won the championship. Jordan McRae, you um, know, six foot five wingman. You know, he and um, Davion Mitchell spent a lot of time together, and Mitchell's lead up to the, you know, to all all the way throughout, you know, Liberty County High School, and then the shaman recreation center um you know they both kind of spent a lot of time with each other and so he got some good insight about the game of basketball what to kind of work on and you know mitchell in terms of his um talents i mean he's been able to shoot he you know he obviously in the summer league he impressed enough with uh shooting really big kind from of the three-point line i think he shot for like forty seven percent you know, the three point line he averaged you know 10 and 11 assists and rebounds so he had a really good showing um you know so he really kind of worked on himself a lot but and he talked about the whole experience leading up to the NBA draft how it was special for his family for obviously for his mother and biggest thing he always referred to was like basketball and the gym really saved him and kept him going um in the sport and that's what it takes. You know, sometimes you just need to be able to kind of go find something, you know. And he, with, back in Georgia, I mean, like going to that recreation center, gave him a chance to, like, really pursue his dreams. Um, otherwise, he, you know, had talked about, you know, not knowing what he was going to do without basketball and working at the gym. You know, he had a goal and a purpose, you know. And that goal and that routine kind of became part of his um, journey to the NBA, and it was just nice to see him. Uh, obviously, last year, you know, win the defensive, uh, the Naismith uh, Defensive Player of the Year, as well as be a, become a champion with the Baylor Bearcats. And hopefully, he's going to be able to help the Sacramento Kings and last year's draft pick, uh, Tyrese Haliburton. Hopefully, they can start to, you know, Along with D. Aaron Fox. Hopefully they can start to turn it around. You know, They obviously are looking to contend for the postseason. They obviously had some promise in the bubble. Last year didn't go their way as much. Uh, so the Kings have a lot of work to do. But they got some promising young talents in Tyrese Halberton. And this year's draft pick Davion Mitchell. Uh, Devon Mitchell. And hopefully he turns out to be really solid. And continue to have success that he had here in the summer league. Hopefully they'll be able to transition well um, when they actually start playing um, in the NBA season this year. So in this next segment, I just want to circle back to the NFL, talk about a couple of things that are you know, coming up on, on, you know, on my mind, um, as of right now, and to kick things off, um, I want to talk about Andy Dalton, and his comments regarding, um, starting for the Chicago Bears this year, as, uh, we've seen, uh, throughout the week, there's been a lot of attention, um, that Justin Fields has been getting, as chicago and that fan base obviously seeing how fields looked in that first preseason game i mean their expectations are already high they want fields to be out there a lot of fans are hoping for that calling for it um and matt nagy continues to kind of give the common generic answer about you know seeing how things go and you know how it will kind of take place so annie dalton obviously was asked about the whole situation, and just you know, kind of came out and said that you know he, you know, Justin Fields is gonna have a great career, able to be successful, but he said it's my time, and for any Dalton to say that it's a pretty, uh, pretty big thing, you know, because we know that Dalton, he's had some kind of career in the NFL, you know, was a promising talent out of TCU, the Bengals took a chance on him. And just throughout the years in Cincinnati, they had pretty good offense, a respectable defense. They just were never able to win a playoff game with him um, during his tenure there. And then he's kind of bounced around a couple of spots. Obviously, didn't have a good ending in Dallas, where you know got injured, and you know because the offensive line couldn't protect him as well. Um, So Dalton's had his rough shares of experience and, you know, he's looking to kind of go out there and kind of prove what he's got. And the whole quote is, you know, he said, it's my time uh, at the end of it. And, you know, a lot of people kind of take that as like, okay, you know, he's saying that and, you know, that may be the case. Um, But just looking at what the Bears are facing this season, it's just really hard to see him being able to hold on to that starting job unless he performs extremely well. Uh, what what he has on his side obviously going to this season is experience being able to kind of command a huddle and do all those kind of things. Justin Fields you know he's going to be a, a good quarterback you know, suspect that he'll be a good quarterback. I think he is dealing with a groin injury um, but I think he may or may not play this week. I, I think he will, just because he's getting first-team snaps and things like that. Um, but you know, Dalton, just talking about being the best quarterback that he can be, doing what he can to compete out there, um, it all sounds promising for Andy Dalton. You want to see that confidence in him, uh, because at one point in his career, early on, he was considered pretty good. Uh, you just could never get over the hump with him. And so with the Bears and their... You know their whole expectations for this season you know however Dalton responds to that first game second game kind of atmosphere and the way they're gonna be uh, that'll be very very important what I will say about Andy Dalton and his comments is that you know it may be his time as a right now to start as their quarterback um, at some point Justin Fields is gonna see the field and it's gonna come down to his performance so you know Dalton with Dallas he played relatively okay at certain points but you know they weren't able to win some of the games that matter towards the end um, but the Chicago Bears he's got some talent there and <laughs> you know, he's got a defense you know all he really has to do is just kind of not make any turnovers and they can probably win some games the hope although for Bear fans it's just that they're able to have a respectable record and you don't want to throw Justin Fields into the fire unless he's not ready for it. So, you know, if I'm the Bears and you hear any Dalton talk about, you know, it's my time, Justin Fields is going to have a great career. I mean, obviously in the back of your mind, you know that. Um, but there's a good chance that if Dalton doesn't play relatively well or let's say their offense is stagnant in the first two, three weeks, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see Matt Nagy put Justin Fields in there. And so, it's good that he has confidence. I hope that Dalton actually is able to do well enough for the Chicago Bears to the point where they actually want to keep him out there. Um, but you never know with, uh, you know, the quarterbacks that we have in the game uh, from the veteran quarterbacks, you know, it just kind of comes down to um, what these teams kind of think about their quarterbacks and, you know, what kind of situations they put them in. The Bears... Um, Pretty much when they signed Andy Dalton, they came across as a team that's just pretty much kind of punting on the season and going to ride Justin Fields on the bench. Now, obviously, we've seen as the preseason has come through and the training camps have happened, you kind of see the tune now of like, all right, Justin Fields has a chance to start. He's progressing really well, but we want to see more of him. You know, so I really hope that Matt Nagy doesn't mishandle the situation. Um, you know, hopefully he doesn't mishandle it the way that Brian Flores did. Although Brian Flores did it after a bye week and after they were an even record, so hopefully, you know, Matt Nagy, if he sees the Bears going the wrong direction, hopefully he'll be, uh, str- you know, strong enough and to actually make that decision to go Justin Fields you just want to see how Matt Nagy responds to that because like I said he and GM Ryan Pace will definitely be on the hot seat no matter what happens this year in Chicago so I want to finish up by talking about um, defense in the NFL and focusing in on a key group of edge pass rushers that I believe will have a big season this year now with the edge rushers, a lot of linebackers also can be in this category. Also the lot of linebackers who play in coverage and also rush your quarterback. I'm gonna to try to focus on some of the edge rushers in the NFL, kinda of give you my top five heading into the twenty twenty one NFL season. At number five, I have Von Miller. Now Von Miller is coming off A season in which you know he's recovering from a severe ankle injury wasn't able to play a whole lot last year I think at all he wasn't able to play you know Von Miller is in his 30s but he is still one of the best edge rushers pass rushers out there in the NFL Um, and you know we know that Von Miller uh, throughout his career has been able to really show up and progress very well from Texas A&M just being able to put Uh, on, you know, some big performances. Obviously, no bigger than what he did in that AFC championship against the Patriots years ago. You know, he still has it left in him to be a productive player. Obviously, with the Cabangio in the second year, I think second year or third year, you know, he's going to be able to still get to the quarterback, get pressures, you know. He obviously... um, just knowing kind of the defense, being that leader on that defense. I think he'll be able to really produce a lot of sacks this year. Get back to the number that he used to get, maybe 9 or 10 sacks. Uh, with Bradley Chubb on the other side. I think Von Miller will be out to really kind of prove himself. Obviously, re-signing with Denver. Obviously, his future was a little bit in question, um, but Denver decided to you know work with him and he really wanted to be there. Uh, So I think he'd be very motivated to come out and have a big season this year. At number four, I have Joey Bosa of the LA Chargers. Joey Bosa has been one of the bright spots on the Chargers defense the past few years. He is capable of putting up double-digit sacks in a season. I think he had about eight sacks last year. Um, And the biggest change for Joey Bosa will be having a new defense coordinator in Brandon Staley. Um, who I think will be more creative and utilizing Joey Bosa's strengths and his abilities, and I think he'll be able to really be the lead one uh, on that pass rushing line. You know, with Melvin Ingram not being there anymore, I think you'll see Joey Bosa be able to uh, get some opportunities to maybe put up some more sacks, be involved in playmaking, and getting some plays in the backfield. Um, but he's progressed very well throughout his career, and. I think he'll have a better um, season than his brother Nick Bosa, I think, for the 49ers. Because Nick is coming off, obviously, an injury. But the Chargers definitely going to need some pass rushing. I think Bosa's due for a big year. He's kind of been in the middle of the pack. I think he'll have a, he'll have a way to um, be more of an impact player this year. And number three, I have Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack... Um, has had, I think, four double-ditch sack seasons in his career. Obviously, he's still a dominant force, um, you know, in terms of what he can do when he lines up on the other side. Um, you know, I think he had nine sacks last year, you know, some force fumbles, a number of quarterback hits. You know, he still is dominant in terms of, Um, being as a pass rusher now he's listed as a linebacker obviously on on the roster but like I said there's quite a bit of edge rushers that you know will be able to like bring it and as I mentioned you have Von Miller you have Joey Bosa Khalil Mack uh, despite the kind of way Chicago has been as a defense lately you know uh, he may not always produce those big numbers from time to time but he finds a way to make a play on the football, and in, in his area, in his vicinity, he'll he'll get it done. And the Bears will need more of that from him this year. You know, he's definitely li- um, been worth the trade that they made. You know, with the, with the Raiders to get him, uh, he has been a leader. he has been a very dominant player. Um, and even with him getting a little bit older, I think he still has a lot to prove. Um, just in terms of his ability to uh, get to the quarterback. And make plays on the football, you know. I think um, obviously with that defense, um, you know, what's around him, you know, a lot of offensive lines have already struggled quite a bit with him, you know. So I could see him being really impactful, Uh, you know. Still uh, with the Bears this year, I think he'll play like it as well, you know. You know, trying to be dominant. Uh, and, and he'll make the plays when you, when you need them the most And I think that's why He'll have a big year uh, Coming up As of my number 2 Edge rusher uh, In the NFL Coming up this year Is T.J. Watt T.J. Watt For the Pittsburgh Steelers Had 15 sacks last season Has been a strong Contributor to the Steelers Defense the last Four seasons Really progressing Very well um, And Like I say, He lines up Obviously as a linebacker as well at times But when he rushes the quarterback uh, He can get it done He went over his matchups um, You know he may be a defensive player of the year candidate as well this year uh, He can get it done He's been healthy uh, The Steelers are going to need him to continue to ascend as a, uh, as a pass rusher um, You know to keep that defense going You know but overall he's been very impressive Just in the way that he. Was been able to show up in those big time games, um, and obviously at home, you know, he's already had his fair share of highlights, uh, which he's kind of showed his dominance and his pass rushing ability, and I think he'll continue to do that um, in a big time way with the Steelers. Obviously, I think that they're gonna have a, have a down year this year. Um, I don't think that their struggles will come from their defensive pass rush. Um, you know, I think Watt will definitely be really good, um, maybe maybe better than JJ Watt maybe this year. Um, even though JJ Watt obviously a new situation in Arizona, you know, I still have questions about that Cardinals defensive line. As so for the Steelers, you just kind of know they've been kind of building that defense up for a while, and TJ Watt's been a main contributor to that. I think he'll have a big year um, coming up this you know, this football season. And at number one, I have Miles Garrett miles Garrett has been a pretty consistent and dominant uh, for the Cleveland Browns ever since he got drafted uh, I think he had 12 sacks last year and he just got signed a huge contract recently um, he can wreak havoc and make things happen in that on that second you know that brown defensive line and plus now they have a secondary in which it's more fortified uh, so I think he'll have a lot of opportunities to finish out and close out on the quarterback. Uh, obviously, disrupt the running game quite a bit. And now he has a Devan Clowney, uh, you know, Clowney on the other side. So, you know, I think with the attention that Garrett and Clowney are going to bring, I think both of them will really benefit off each other. But I think Garrett will have a bigger impact because we know that he can beat in know the international matchups really, really well. And he's been, uh, he's been, you know, that lone star on that defense uh, for a long time. I think he'll continue to ascend and play like one of the best edge rushers in the game. You know, going going at it. Um, you know, against obviously in the, in the division and obviously other opponents. Now, there are a couple of names that I left off this list um, just because, like I said, you have Aaron Donald, who's a defensive tackle. Um, J.J. Watt, obviously. You know, you got Daniel Hunter from the Minnesota Vikings. So there are some names that I left off the list. Um, because just based on edge rushing ability, uh, I think Garrett Watt, uh, Khalil Mack, those are the three names that I think are poised to have big seasons, and they're going to have to have big seasons for their teams to be uh, really good. Um, you know, especially for T.J. for T.J. Watt, and Khalil Mack with the Steelers and Bears. Those are two teams that I think um, the two teams that you know, may have a chance at the postseason. I'm not going to say the Steelers are going to be able to win the division. They'll compete for a playoff spot, but I have the Bears and Steelers as of right now not making to the postseason, but if these two stars and their, you know, these defensive stars can help their teams early on and, you know, be, you know, dominant, then maybe they have a, have a better shot. You never know. Um, you know, t- 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 you know turning it around this year and going back to the postseason so um, I'll continue to preview some other areas uh, of NFL uh, you know NFL defenses and obviously offensive pitchers as well as you know we're closing in on week two of free season and then after that kind of getting closer and closer to the start of the NFL season um, and the hype will only keep on growing uh, for the 17-game season we're about to have Which will be definitely be a a huge one, uh, a lot to look forward to um, in the fall.